1 Kings chapter 8, verses 22 and 23, the Word of God says, And Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the congregation of Israel and spread forth his hands toward heaven. And he said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God like thee in heaven above or on earth beneath who keepest covenant and mercy with thy servants that walk before thee with all their heart. And let's pray. Lord, help us now to understand your word. And as we have these reminders of just the fundamentals of prayer, that you would give us deep and meaningful prayer lives and help us to overcome all the distractions of life, the frailties of the flesh, and so that we can be a, a praying people, really seeing supernatural things take place by keeping the fundamentals of prayer. And so help us tonight to understand thy word and then put it into practice. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. And so what a fantastic verse we find. Solomon, at this seminal moment, standing before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the congregation of Israel, and he spread forth his hands toward heaven, and he prayed. He prayed. We are taking uh, several weeks here in the beginning of the year and just going over some of the fundamentals of prayer. Most of you will have an understanding of what we're going to talk about, but we are leading up to really giving what I think could be a transformative prayer journal that could take our prayers to new depths and effectiveness but it's not going to matter if we don't have the fundamentals down. I remember when I was in sports, uh, as a teenager, a young man, I, I always played sports, just from Little League all the way up through high school. And the basketball is my favorite sport. Being from Indiana, basketball is kind of like an idolatrous thing. And uh, we got a new coach. Uh, probably my freshman year, we got a new coach, and he had played some college basketball. He was very serious about it, and he was actually pretty good still. Even as an old man, he was like 40 years old. He was so old. And uh, he could still get out there and whip us on the court, so he could get our attention pretty quick. Uh, and But he had one frustrating habit, and that was the beginning of every basketball season. He would not let us touch a ball. He wouldn't let you touch a ball. We'd be like, this is basketball. Why can't we touch a ball? Well, let's learn how to run up and down the court first. That's right. And then let's learn how to shuffle uh, whenever you're playing defense, how to shuffle your feet properly. Let's learn how to box out. Let's learn how to... And then when you did get a ball, you couldn't dribble it. You had to pass it. And then after you learned how to pass it again, uh, you could dribble it a little bit, but not fancy. Just dribble up and down the court. He had this idea that you've got to have the fundamentals right before you can do anything else. Then when we did start shooting, it wasn't a three-point contest, it was layups. Right-handed layups, left-handed layups. Then you'd move about three feet back from the basket and shoot there for a while. This happened over the course of about two weeks. And for guys that just died to play basketball, this idea of the fundamentals is, we know how to dribble, we know how to shoot a layup, we know how to... 
But it was a very effective way. Every year he just made sure that we had a solid foundation. And one of the preacher's job is to remind Christians of what they already know. So a part of me almost feels bad giving you once again of such uh, basic concepts of the scriptures. But what I want you to focus on is how much of the basics we are not doing. Even as I was studying for the lesson tonight, it's like, well, I haven't done that in a while. Yeah, I haven't been, I haven't done that in a while. And so all the way from last week, the people of prayer, for whom should we pray, to the next several weeks, just laying this foundation once again, the goal is to put in your hands this journal that's going to put it all together uh, and kind of guide us in a format for, for building a, a lifetime of prayer. So tonight I want to talk about this very basic fundamental of the postures of prayer. Does it matter what posture you're in when you pray? I would say that posture is very important. They say that posture has a lot to do with your health even, how you learn to sit. Americans, uh, as we've gotten from being uh, more of an agrarian society and a manufacturing society, a lot of Americans moved into offices. That created an awful lot of problems sitting at a desk all day, looking at a computer all day, whole new set of problems. When phones came out, there is medical conditions from doing this there's neck there's chronic neck issues for for kids and teenagers that have their neck like this all day there are eye problems from looking at screens all day and looking at screens too closely I was doing some research and it showed pictures of children sleeping, swiping in their sleep. Because they're literally on screens too much. There's all these issues that come along. Posture is very important. Did you know that only about 7% of what you say is communicated through your words? Ninety-three percent of what, what we communicate is through our physical posture and the tone of our voice. Right? I love you. I, I love you so much. Does that communicate? No. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. You know, you might be saying the right words, but everything else is wrong. And so posture in prayer does have an impact on how we pray. I think posture in church matters. You know, sitting up and listening matters versus getting way too comfortable. And, you know, some people have learned how to sleep sitting up. They get their head kind of right there and they can just, they can just kind of make sure they're not falling asleep. But you get too comfortable, it matters. They say, scientists are telling us, and, and it, it's really pretty obvious when you 
when you think about it, that, sci- that, that science has shown that posture affects, it changes your, uh, the way your body responds. It changes the way your hormones function. It changes the way your brain releases things. They did a study some years ago, uh, and the study was particularly to find out if posture could change the uh, physiological internals on, on the inside of you, basically your, your mental state. Could your posture change your mental state from being sad, bored, to being energetic, excited? And what they found is two basic postures made the most difference. You've all seen the Superman posture? You feel my cape floating in the background? The study showed that if you stand like this for 10 minutes, it changes, it changes your chemicals on the inside, and it changes your attitude. It lifts your spirits. Isn't that crazy? Dun, 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 dun. That's what I hear in my head when I do it. The other one that they found that makes a big difference is the iconic picture of a boss leaning back in his chair with his hands behind his head and his feet on the desk. They found that sitting like that for two minutes raises your endorphins. The Superman posture raises your endorphins. You ever get bored or tired, get up and start running around. You immediately, your body changes and, and things start moving. You know, singing in church it will change how you experience the rest of the service. Praying when we pray changes how you experience the rest of the service. And so all of these things that should be self-evident, we forget. And so posture and prayer does have meaning. Now the good news is that as Christians, we have a lot of latitude in postures for how we pray. Every religion has a, that has a prayer element teaches distinct postures for prayer or meditation. Kneeling is common. Bowing. Uh, kneeling down, getting up. You ever been to a Catholic church? Kneel down, get up. Kneel down, get up. They have their way of doing it. You've seen the Islamic uh, prayer times and how they all get their rugs out. Very ceremonial. Get their rugs out. Face toward Mecca. Put your forehead on the ground. All these different postures. Genuflecting. Some people think that this supernaturally empowers your prayers. The Bible doesn't say anything about that. The good news is that as Christians, we don't have any of these conditions. None of those conditions I just gave you are biblical You don't have to do any of those things to pray. Prayer is talking to God. Prayer is a benefit of our so great salvation. And because of Christ, we can pray effectively anytime, anywhere, in any posture. That's a blessing. You can pray driving down the road. You can pray while you're working. You can pray while you're taking a walk. You can pray lying down, you can pray sitting, you can pray standing, you can pray running, you can pray jogging, uh, all of these things. And so we have a lot of latitude in how we pray, but I think because of that, we don't put very much thought in 
the postures that God gives us in the Bible and perhaps their benefits of how we can pray. My goal is I want to give you five, five postures tonight that the Bible mentions in prayer, and then I'd like for you to try a new one this week and just see if it changes your experience. If nothing else, we know these things are biblical, and posture simply shows the attitude of the heart. But the opposite is also true. Your posture can change your attitude, which we just talked about a moment ago. So the Bible reveals five different postures of prayer. Let's take a look at them tonight and show you these things. We learned in 1 Kings chapter 8, Solomon at this amazing moment stands before the congregation. He's before the altar of the Lord. He begins to pray this amazing prayer and notice that he is standing with his hands toward heaven. We'll get to the second part a little bit later, but notice he's standing. Uh, and of course, we can pray while standing. Thank God for that. You can bow the heart when your knees are straight. And so as long as your heart is humble before God, you can pray standing. You don't want to have a proud stance. You don't want to have a proud heart, but sometimes leading in group prayer, it's good to stand. Sometimes we pray as a congregation standing. We pray as a congregation sitting. I've talked to people sometimes that are like, you can only pray with your heads bowed and eyes closed, or you can only pray kneeled. I talked to a guy one time. He said, oh, uh, closing your prayer, uh, closing your eyes when you pray is unbiblical because Jesus opened his eyes toward heaven. And sometimes we get these weird little ideas and ride these hobby horses. I want to show you today we've got a lot of latitude, but standing is a good thing. Standing prayer was common among the Jews. I look at Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, and Christ endorsed standing prayer. Uh, he warned against praying for the people listening's sake, right? In Matthew chapter 6, he warned against public prayers that are made to impress the listeners. And don't, don't get caught up in that. You know, someone, if, if you're praying with someone that's been saved a long time, their prayers can be impressive, right? Oh, thou that dwellest between the cherubims, Jehovah Jireh provide for me and mine. Wilt thou not... You know, and it's like, you're just sitting there thinking, good grief, I can't pray like that. They didn't start praying like that either. Oftentimes what happens is they've just spent so much time in the Bible, and praying the Bible is a good habit. You pick up those phrases, you pick up that language, and I think that's honoring to the Lord, but it's not a contest. The truth is, if you're praying, thinking about the people listening, you're already off track, right? We pray for God to listen, and then everybody else is just praying along with us. Uh, so just pray however you pray. Prayer is just talking to God. Prayer is like talking to a friend. It's like talking to your father. So don't overcomplicate it. At the same time, the goal should be to learn how to pray effectively. You, you 
pray so much that you don't have to work at it as hard anymore, right? At first when you pray, especially praying publicly, it's scary. And I'm proud of some of the guys, and proud in a good way, I'm, I'm pleased with some of the men of our church who in our prayer groups have spoken up and said, hey, I'll pray. That's a wonderful thing. There's no, there's no judgment. It's just praise God. Uh, and we all start somewhere. But the goal should be to have some proficiency in prayer to where you just do it so much that it's like talking to an old friend. You know, and having said that, we turn back to praying here. Christ warned against praying for the benefit and to impress the listeners, but he commended standing in prayer. Verse 25 of Mark chapter 11 and when ye stand praying, forgive if ye have aught against any. It was a custom among the Jews to stand and pray. It was also their custom to not be very forgiving. And so while ye stand, that's commendable. Just make sure you're forgiving at the same time. And that is good advice for all of us. That's why in the Lord's Prayer, one of the ten elements of the Lord's Prayer the bottle prayer is forgiveness. Every day we forgive those that have wronged us, and we ask forgiveness for how we've wronged God and others. All right, so posture number one is standing. Posture number two is kneeling. Look at Psalm chapter 95. Psalm chapter 95. I know it's basic, but let's learn and put into practice some of these things. The first two are the most common, and then as we progress, we get into some of the less common ones. Psalm chapter 95, look at verse 6. O come, let us worship and bow down. That word bow down means to fall prostrate. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. All right, so bowing the head toward the ground is a sign of respect in many cultures. If you go over to Asia, it's very common. They don't shake hands, they bow. The depth of your bow changes upon your respect for the person and their station. If you're bowing to someone beneath you, it's a little bow. If you're bowing to someone way above you, it's a very deep bow. And so bowing has always been a sign of respect Bowing our heads and closing our eyes while we pray symbolizes our submission to God. So when I bow my head, I'm symbolizing my submission. I close my eyes to block out any distractions and focus on the Lord. And oftentimes we clasp our hands. That's a reminder that our hands cannot accomplish what we are asking God to do. We bow our heads, we close our eyes, we clasp our hands, and we begin to pray, Oh God. Now, thankfully, that's not the only way you can pray. If that was true, you couldn't pray driving down the street. I recommend you not close your eyes driving down the street. But I recommend that every day you find quiet time alone to bow your head, close your eyes, clasp your hands, and do nothing but focus on God right? You need that time alone. You can pray all day, but you need that time alone with God. And so 
we're talking about bowing the head, the next step in that, the Bible talks about the posture is actual kneeling, getting down upon one knee or both knees. Kneeling is an even deeper sign of submission and reverence. It's a profound show of humility. It was often common to kneel before royalty. When I proposed to my wife, I got down on one knee in humility, even though I was asking her such a, a profound question. And so kneeling is a wonderful way to pray. Uh, oftentimes when I pray, I like to get down on, on one knee or both knees. Now, as you get older, this is more difficult. Don't feel bad if you can't kneel anymore. God knows your heart, right? And so uh, you get a little older, it gets more difficult to get up and down. Maybe your knees hurt, you've had knee surgery. God knows all that. But it ought to be in your heart that you would if you could. And for those of us that can, we should get down and kneel uh, at times when we pray. Of course, we can pray sitting, nothing wrong with that. But even a further step of submission and reverence is the kneel. Uh, and Psalm 95.6, the psalmist instructs us to bow down and kneel before our maker. We saw where Solomon was standing. In 2 Chronicles chapter 6, we see Solomon kneeling when he prays. It says, for Solomon, and then down towards the end of the verse, and kneeled down upon his knees before all the congregation of Israel. So Solomon is standing, and then Solomon gets on his knees, and he's still praying. So thank God we can stand and pray, we can kneel and pray. We see that Christ kneeled down to pray often. Look at Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. This is Christ's last prayer meeting before he goes to the cross, his last private prayer meeting. Verse 41, and when he was withdrawn from them a stone's cast, he kneeled down and prayed. See, this was no joke. He wasn't just going to stand around and pray. He had to get down. He, had, he was begging the Lord. He was pleading the Lord. Uh, in Acts chapter 20, verse 36, Paul kneeled to pray with this group of believers. He says he kneeled down and prayed with them all. So kneeling is an unmistakable sign of submission, and kneeling in prayer has been a common practice for Christians for many generations. My question is, when's the last time you just got down on your knees and prayed to God? I mean, if you're able. And if you're not able, maybe it's good to say, God, you know I'd get down on my knees if I could, right? I, I want to do that. And I know you know my heart. When's the last time we got down on our knees and just closed our eyes and bowed our heads and really focused on, on what we uh, were doing? All right, number three. We see number one, standing. Number two, kneeling. Number three, look at Numbers chapter 16. Numbers chapter 16, 
the Israelites here are in trouble. There's been a rebellion. They were rebelling against Moses. So God got involved. And look at verse 21, or excuse me, 20. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, saying, Separate yourselves from among this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. So God's like, this is over. I'm going to consume them all. But notice what happens. And they fell upon their faces and said, O God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin, and wilt thou be wroth with the whole congregation? And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the congregation, saying, Get yet from the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Those were the ringleaders. So God was going to take care of a bunch of people. And the people fell on their face and cried out, Whoa, God, please, we're not a part of this. And God had mercy on them. What you'll notice is that the intensities of the gesture increases with the intensity of prayer. You know, oftentimes when I'm sitting, it's, oh, Lord, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm standing, walking, oh, God. Uh, but, man, you get on your face. And when you're on your face praying, that's the deepest and highest form of submission and worship is when you get on your face before God, when you lay down with your face to the ground. When's the last time that you got on your face and prayed? You say, that seems kind of weird to me. You must not need him bad enough. Because I guarantee you, you need him bad enough, you don't care where your face is. <laughs> you, don't, you don't care what position you're in. You'd pray in a pretzel if you thought it would make a difference. Take a towel, put it on the floor. I've prayed with my face in the grass. I've prayed with my face in the dirt. I've prayed with my face in a rug. I've prayed with my face in all these different places. At home, I have a, a sheepskin that when I'm serious about prayer, I'll get out the sheepskin and pray on that. My brother-in-law got it for me many years ago. We used to, he had his sheepskin, I had my sheepskin, and, and uh, whatever it takes. But this is the deepest form of submission. Why is that? It assumes the position of one that's dead. Right? Dead man just falls to the ground. He doesn't have any power to lift himself up. Oftentimes when people met angels, they would fall at their feet as dead. <laughs> you know, just overcome with the, the glory, the majesty, the strength. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah saw a holy vision of God. He fell at his feet as dead. Now, this is very common. When you get to the place where you need God bad enough and you realize there's no strength in you whatsoever, you don't care how you are. It's very easy to get on your face and just plead and beg and, and cry and sometimes whimper, just whatever it takes, because you need the Lord. And the Israelites were in this place. They were moments away from dying. And so they fell on their face. By the way, that's the reaction when you're ever in that place, you don't even have to think about it. It just kind of happens if you're ever in, in such deep need. But it is good to think about it. As you get on your face, you assume the position of a dead person, and you're saying, I'm dead to self-will. I'm dead to my own desires. I'm, I'm dead to sin in the world, but I want to be alive unto God, and I need God desperately. Look at Joshua chapter 5. We see Joshua fell on his face. 
Joshua chapter 5. And look at verse 14. And he said, Nay, but as a captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord to his servant? That's prayer. Prayer is asking. He began to pray. This is an Old Testament appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so once Joshua figures out who he is, you've got to understand Joshua, a commander of the kingdom, second to Moses for all those years, now he's first in command, and he was a warrior leader. Uh, he was not a sissy. He was not a wimp. But his first response in meeting the captain of the Lord's hosts is to get on his face and say, Thy will be done. What, what would you like? And so this is an appropriate posture for prayer. Uh, we could look at 1 Chronicles 21. We won't for time's sake, but verse 16, the Bible says, And David lifted up his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord stand between earth and heaven, having a drawn sword in his hand stretched out over Jerusalem. Then David and the elders of Israel who were clothed in sackcloth fell upon their faces. And so, again, David and the elders falling upon their faces when they see God's avenging angel. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 39, the Bible says that Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane fell on his face, and he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed. So we see Jesus in the garden kneeling, and then sometimes when you start kneeling, you end up on your face. Uh, and Jesus pleading with Christ uh, in the garden. So we see Postures in prayer, of standing, kneeling, lying down, uh, more importantly, falling on your face. Of course, you can pray on your back, too. Uh, you can even pray in bed, just as long as you say amen before you fall asleep, right? <laughs> so uh, let me give you the last two quickly. Look at Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1, and verse 15 says, And when you spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Now, obviously, the context here is God's not happy with the Israelites. The first three chapters of Isaiah are some of the hardest preaching you'll find in the whole Bible, where God is just accurately describing the condition of his people. And it is a brutal assessment. But notice, one of the ways they prayed was a spreading forth of the hands. And God did not condemn their spreading forth of the hands. He condemned the fact that their hands were filled with blood. And so we can see in the scriptures, the spreading forth of the hands is a common way to pray. Uh, in our text that we use for tonight with Solomon, Solomon chapter 8, verse 22, and Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of the congregation and spread forth his hands toward heaven. I want to make a distinction. 
This is a spreading, it, it's a spreading forth of the hands as if trying to touch God. It's a spreading forth of the hands with the palms up. Notice palms up mean you're expecting to what? Receive. And so praying with the palms up, like you're reaching out towards God in expectation, that's an appropriate way to pray. And the Bible says again, don't make a show of it. Jesus warned about that. That's why we don't stand in church. Oh, God, help us, Lord. You know, and, and making all these dramatic, like we're in some Broadway show. However, if the Spirit moves me to raise my hands, don't be surprised if I do. Because I will. Stretching forth the hands towards God is an appropriate way to pray. And I often uh, do that in private. Uh, and this is a natural posture for pleading prayer, the spreading forth of the hands. And then let me give you a last one. Look at Psalm chapter 28. Psalm chapter 28, verse 2. Hear the voice of my supplications when I cry unto thee, when I lift up my hands toward thy holy oracle. So now we see a lifting up of the hands. Again, a lifting up of the hands, reaching toward heaven. But now notice it's not palms up, it's palms out. What's the difference? What is the universal sign for raising one's hand? Surrender. You can do this anywhere in the world. And they know what it means. It's surrender. It's raising up holy hands. God, I surrender. God, I surrender. And reaching out as if to, to touch the Lord, reaching for his mercy and grace. But this is a universal sign of surrender. In Lamentations chapter 2, verse 19, we won't look at it for time's sake, we find the lifting up of the hands accompanies the pouring out of the heart. The Bible says, Pour out thine heart like water before the face of the Lord. Lift up thy hands toward him for the life of thy young children. Again, these are serious things. I don't say every day, Lord, bless this food to my body. It's kind of, it doesn't fit. But if you're begging for the life of your children, oh God, save my, save my babies. Notice how when the intensity of the prayer goes up, the intensity of the gestures increase. Whether it's the activity of the hands, the going lower and lower, the voice changes. Uh, we're not even talking about the, the way the voice can change in prayer. Prayers can be whispered, they can be spoken, they can be yelled. They can be groaned. And if all we ever do is pray, like, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub. Lord, bless so-and-so, bless so-and-so, bless so-and-so, bless so-and-so, bless so-and-so. Amen. What's for dinner? You know, it's, it just shows that where our heart is in prayer, not that we have to, to jump through hoops every day. 
but the number of gestures that we are employing in prayer also shows the different levels of prayer that we're exercising in our prayer lives. And so I would encourage you uh, to stand and pray. I would encourage you to, to bow your head and to close your eyes and to kneel in prayer. I would encourage you to put your face down in prayer. I would encourage you at times to lift your hands in expectation and supplication. I'd expect you to lift your hands in surrender. There ought to be times when you cry when you pray. There ought to be times when you don't know what to say when you pray. If all you ever do was heard me talk like this, this is all I ever talked. I always walked the same way. I always did the same motions. Would you say that I was experiencing the fullness of life? Experiencing everything life had to offer. You'd probably be saying, Preacher, have you seen somebody about that? <laughs> I know a guy. I got a number. But, uh, if that's all we're experiencing in our prayer life, if all we ever do is the bare minimum, or all we ever do is just we're in that same comfortable mode, then I would suggest to us that there's a whole lot outside of that comfortable range that we're missing out when it comes to prayer. And I encourage you to explore that. Enjoy it. Reach for it. There will be times when you cry in prayer, times when you laugh in prayer. You know, it's possible for you to be so comfortable with God that you don't have to say anything in prayer. Matter of fact, if you're always doing the talking when you're praying, that's not a very good conversation. It's a whole other lesson. If we had a relationship and I never, I never stopped talking to you and you never had an opportunity to say anything, would that be fun? Yes, God speaks to us through his word. But doesn't the Bible say, be still and know? What if you ever just asked God a question and waited on an answer? This is a novel idea. I can't wait forever. Okay, wait five minutes. Five minutes feels like an eternity when you're blocked everything else out. But I'm encouraging you that there's a lot more available in prayer than we often take advantage of. And one way you can begin to explore that is with different postures. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for the depth, and it just speaks to every area of our lives. I ask that you would encourage us, help us to not get comfortable in prayer, but to experience the, all the glories of it. And Lord, help us to be practitioners of prayer, not just believers in it, but skilled practitioners when it comes to speaking to you. 
on behalf of ourselves, our families, and the world. If we don't pray, nobody else is going to. If your children don't pray, there's nobody